up, everybody? Welcome back to the Underdogs Podcast. Moving on to episode number 12 now. As always, my name is Jordan Daly. We got Craig Smith, Mike Taylor, and a special guest. But before I let Craig introduce her, I just got to say, please make sure to click that subscribe button down below on the last episode. According to our analytics, 99% of you are not subscribed to us. Give us a, <laughs> just, just hit the button. It's not that hard. Craig, I'll let you introduce the guest. Today, we do have a special guest. This is uh, a first woman on our set and we are so thankful and so proud to have this person very special to us especially me and mike t um her dad was a former commish of the drew league and we consider her even though she's in her own lane the genie bus she doing big things we like to welcome Watts' own Chanel Smiley. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you guys. That was an intro right there. I love it. Well, we do consider you the genie bus of the Drew because you feel like so much history you've been around since a youngin. You've seen a lot of things at an early age. And now to be at the forefront and be the boss of it, you're taking it to new heights. So we had to make sure we give you your flowers. I appreciate that. Thank you. Very kind. Uh, definitely, definitely. Those those feelings is uh, mutual. Yesterday, when we was you know kind of going through some things, we was like, "Yo, we gotta highlight that as much as possible." Like <laughs> Genie Bus or the Drew, like that's the perfect fit. That's the perfect match. Um, so we're gonna hop right into it, and uh, we want to talk about your upbringing and what it was like growing up in you know South Central LA. Um, just being a little bit more detailed in, in how that household was ran. Yeah, for sure. So I grew up father, mother at the household, uh, my brother. So I'm the oldest. So it's just me and him. And born and raised in South Central LA in, in Watts, uh, right around the corner from where Drew originally started from. So that's been my home forever. That's all I know, right? Um the household, it was, I had a great childhood growing up. Like my father is a sweetheart. Those that know him knows he's like a big teddy bear. So my mom was the one that kind of ruled with the iron fist, but they made sure that me and my brother was on a straightaway that we stay focused on our goals and just made sure that uh, we, we accomplished whatever it is that we wanted to do, despite of where we were from. So I really thank them for bringing us up the way that we were raised. And I just thank them for everything that, um, that I am today. Discipline has been like my word of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, can you kind of just break down how the discipline, uh, you know, that you, that you learn from Dino and everything like that and just how it's helping helped you uh, as a child growing up? I think he prides himself on disciplining us in both areas, meaning like we were able to see, you know, the good and the bad from where we was raised in, you know, that that type of envi- environment. Uh, so I learned from a young girl, you know, as far as like which avenues to turn down, you know, and as far as the discipline goes, you know, growing up, I had to face a lot of different challenges with you know, from school to whether it was bullying, um, just the gangs that were in our community, just all of that type of stuff that went on. 
And I always noticed that my dad was just so chilled about everything. Like he was able to just take whatever it was that he uh, was faced and apply it in a positive way. And growing up, I just, I just noticed, I was like, okay, certain people react in a violent way. And then some people react in a very calm demeanor and able to use that lesson and share it and, and, and make a positive, you know, approach on it going forward. So I had to get a balance of that. And I learned a lot around discipline from him and my mother too. She, you know, she was, she was brought up in the South. So understanding like how she was raised, it gave me both perspectives. He's a city guy. She's a Southern girl. Uh, she lived on the West side growing up, like on the, in Lemur Park area. My dad was the East side boy. So it was like the best of both worlds. So I think, um, and that's what I feel like really um, made me the type of woman that I am today. And even with the Drew, you know, the discipline that comes from all different personalities, from coaches, players, to the fans, from everything that surrounds that, you know, we're talking about dealing with hundreds of players and different personalities and having to figure out like a balance for that. So discipline plays a big part in your success and how you ever, however you move, you know, throughout life in general. Um, the mental pressures of surviving an inner city. Can you kind of, you know, dive into that a little bit? Um, a lot of people like for me, you know, being, you know, from Milwaukee and being in the inner city, like, man, the, the Drew, that was like home to me. Like it was it was like, you know, because that's like my environment. As soon as I walk out of my house, you know. We see the crackheads, we see the violence, we see, you know what I'm saying, street activity, like there's no escaping that. Um, so, you know, just being, you know, L.A., playing for the Clippers and everything, it's it's hard to see those areas. So when I was like exposed to the Drew, I was like, yo, where this been at? Like <laughs> this part of L.A., it's parts of L.A. that look like this, like this look like home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This look like Locust Street, this look like Burlock Street. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So just that mental pressure of surviving that inner city. Can you kind of just dive into that a little bit for us? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was born in blocks. I mean, every corner, every other block, it's a new, it's a different hood, right? So mm. I'm in the middle of where predominantly, like, you know, the Crips are from. So I have to walk by that every day. But the thing about, like, our family, the Smileys, you know, my dad raised most of these these young men and women, because he was always like, you know, he was a PE teacher. So he had them brought up under his wing. And so they had a found respect for him. So they had a respect for the family. Um, so having to see that mentally, like, like you said, the drug addicts on the corner, the robbers over here going under people's houses, taking their pipes and stuff in the middle of the night, the tag and the graffiti, like, all that stuff, detrimental, like it does do something to your mentals when you think about it, as, especially as you get older. But when we were younger, we just thought that was normal. Like, this is just, this is just the normal thing that, uh, that happens in our neighborhood. But what's beautiful about our uh, upbringing is that we were able to travel a little bit. Even though we didn't go too far, but going to the west side, going to the beach, going to Malibu, traveling down to Santa Monica, uh, excuse me, um, was at uh, San Diego, going to Frisco, like those different pockets of the state, you know, you was able to be exposed to something that wasn't 
necessarily your hood. So you were able to find a, a new respect and appreciate life when you saw something different. So that's why I always tell people, you got to get out of your community and see other places. Like you being from Milwaukee, it's, um, I've never been there, but I know there's a hood in every city, right? So what we have in LA, I feel like we don't take advantage of the opportunities because we have a, a, a bunch of opportunities where people can get out of the hood, especially in, in oh. out, out of the gang life and stuff. That's only if they want to. But mentally, you know what I'm saying? What I did, I just got into sports. I played volleyball, played basketball, I played everything. My parents made sure that I was active. And that's what kept me, like, my mental together. Yeah, I think that's the biggest point, always staying busy and, mm-hmm. and getting active into different things. Because if if we don't, they're going to be calling those, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. So it's just it's 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 good it's a good thing and that's what we want to also tell the kids too just be active yeah. find a sport find a passion find something that you like to do and pursue it for sure for sure yes a mentor is definitely necessary yes absolutely <laughs> absolutely key in life and your dad was a mentor to a lot of people i mean yeah. we even had just generalized talks you know just off nothing, but it's good conversation because it's just always we have somebody who has good wisdom, a good head on their shoulders. They're gonna always put you in the right situation, no matter what conversation it is. Yep. So <laughs> it's just all it's always been good conversations with um with Dino, you know, in that regard. Good to know. Good to know. It's funny you brought that up too. I didn't I didn't like grow up in like a rough area or anything like that, but my dad always had a rule. <laughs> my dad always had a rule. I had to be doing something. I had to be doing something. He didn't care what it was. He didn't care if it was a sport. He didn't care if it was like a club or anything. I had to be doing something. And that was all throughout high school too. Like that was, that was always a rule of his, but anyway, we kind of wanted to know like, when did you start getting into basketball and when did that start becoming like a kind of a passion of yours? Well, I think basketball has been my life since I was in diapers because that's all I've been around. Our summer was in the gym. So I used to spend time, after Drew, all day, you know, that's where my mom would have me, in, like, right in her arms after Drew. So basketball was um, in front of me at a very, very early age. And then I grew to love the sport probably when I was really, I would say probably like middle school is that when I grew to love it. So I played all the way through high school. And then I didn't want to play in college. It wasn't my thing. I just wanted to go to school and do well at school and then work. And, but I, as far as uh, playing um, from middle school to high school, I, I really enjoyed the game. And then growing up around your dad, obviously, who was the former commissioner of the Drew League, how do you think that kind of like helped shape you and, and kind of grew your passion? Well, because it was in front of me so much, um, I learned the game from him. I learned the game from my uncles, uh, from family members that was just that were there you know the shout out to the Ware family like they we've been together since we were uh little kids so I just learned the game from a lot of the vets a lot of OGs that were there and we stayed up at the gym all day like we had no family vacation in the summer (laughs) so everybody just went to droop but it was our safe haven so it was normal for me so I um but when you're in front of the game like that you know, you you learn and you learn it from the MC, from from uh, Steel Bill and George, like them, the, 
them knowing the game. Like I learned so much from George over the years, just by him, um, you know, talking, just him, no. this is listening to him. Like his voice draws yeah. you in anyway. So when you just hear him talk and then he's talking about stats from the nineties, you like, how do you even know this stuff? Like, you know what I mean? So, and then I always pick his brain, you know, so I don't mind asking questions. I love learning new things. If I don't know the answer, you know, I'll just go and ask somebody the question. So even with basketball, I'm still learning. I watch the games all the time and there's, there's things, there's rules that's changing all the time. So, you know, um, but I'm a fan of the sport, you know, I love the Lakers, love the Clippers. I'm a, I'm a team LA baby. So I just, I just pull for, uh, for the city and then I pull the, for the underdogs too. So. Hey. Yeah, Cause because everybody don't understand about basically rooting for both of your teams in the city because there's always a bias, and that's that bougie stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. when you're original, you love the game, you love players. That's it. My players. That's and, it. George, and George is a historian. Also, yeah, yeah. Also, big shout out to the voice of the Drew, yo. Yeah, like, George, big shout that's, out. That's definitely something that's like welcome welcome him and he just he'd be in interview mode all the time like when i was first there he was like mike you know what i'm saying from the clippers what you've been doing what you've been up to you've been overseas yeah. how's it going like real good you know dude, what i'm saying man. like real great 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 real dude good, like the drew is just that 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 family grassrooted organization mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that i loved about being at the drew because you know you walking up you speaking to everybody it's just like that 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 a, a good fun family time for sure that's what we wanted to keep it like that authentic no. we didn't never want to change up no matter what sponsor comes in to put a banner like it don't change what happens in between that line or when you step in between those doors it's mm -hmm. gonna be the same people the ogs in the corner you're gonna hear george you're gonna see my mom in the snack bar it's going to be the same crew of kids mopping the floor it's the same crew so and we pride ourselves on that because we want to stay authentic and and um and we just love each other. Most of us are family and and really, really good friends, you know. So yeah. that's what makes us special, I feel, or different from other pro am leagues. Yeah, because they're more family oriented. Mm -hmm. That's deep rooted. Yeah, for that's sure. Deep rooted. Sure. So we know you've been at the Drew since you was in diapers, but we want to know what specific age do you remember your first time actually being at the Drew? And if you could give us a little bit of like background of what you remember. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, man. What I really remember. Oh, man. I remember a couple, a couple, I was in, I was in middle school. So I had to be because I went to Drew. So after the game, no. after school, I would just hang up at the school, hang out at the school until they come and set up for the weekend. Um, okay. I remember, I remember uh, George being the announcer for the first day. It was the first time, and I'm sitting there like with the the um we had like a little boom box right yeah and i was like the music person i'm like <laughs> i'm playing the cds and stuff the disc and i remember having like it wasn't loud enough i remember them saying hey turn it up turn it up louder and then i got the mic because we didn't have no mc 
I got the mic and I put it on the speaker so it could get louder. Like I'm doing yeah. some crazy promoter type stuff. <laughs> and then um, I remember George being the announcer. Like my dad was like, oh, Chanel, this is George, George, Chanel, this is my daughter. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, he looking at me, he nervous. I'm like, have you did this before? And he said, nah, I'm about to try. I said, why did he hurt somebody that never did this before? You know, and um, he was just looking to make some change. And so he hired him to do the MC because that was the only position we uh, we needed help with. So that was 25 years ago. Uh, another another um, moment. Y'all know Rock Johnson, right? From the All-Star, yes. Rock Johnson, yeah. coach. He's been the same forever. And I remember him getting a tech. I remember him dragging his sweaty... Uh, uniforms across the floor yeah he got a tech and he was like all right ref kick him out he grabbed his bag he's like all right i'm gone so instead of just picking up his sweaty like uniform bag he drags it (laughs) and did it so slow and everybody you had to stop the game and then back then we had to get towels and i remember right we didn't have the push broom so that took like 10 15 minutes um (laughs) <laughs> I remember Baron Davis dunking so hard on somebody. I, I can't remember who it was. Uh, Baron Davis okay. used to be BD. Okay, so now we could talk about the, the stories of young Baron. He was still yeah. in high school playing in the Drew, right? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Baron, wow. yeah, Baron was still in high school. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, BD but was I mean. <laughs> Especially back at that time, that was that was pretty crazy. But like, man, you seen some faces and some man. I, I've seen um, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. Um, it was some good times though. I don't know how we played without padding. I don't know how we played without. <laughs> we didn't have trainers. I don't know how they played, but it was. Uh, so. What about the technology of the shoe games from back then to now, too? Oh, <laughs> the shoes, you know, back then, nobody was really paying attention to the kicks, right? So mm-hmm. it was just like, I felt like it was just like some starters or it was a lot of Converse. Um, it was Barclays. I remember Barclays. Um, yeah, Barclays. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the shoe game definitely involved quite a bit because now everybody's paying attention to what shoe you wear when you're playing. Posting. Man, it's so important. Big, like everybody color was wearing, huh? What'd you say? No, I was just saying the colorways, like it's yeah. all about what color your shoe is now. It don't even matter what shoe it is at this point. It don't even matter. It's it's the color. So back then everything was just so black, white, blue. Yeah. Just basic. So we seen. I, I wish we could pull a whole catalog of uniforms from back then. You see how big they were to how they are now. Yeah. But, yeah. We've seen. Uh, we. I, I've seen. I've seen a lot of, a lot of amazing players come out of the Drew. Um, and those players have been successful. I mean, even from coaching, some real. Uh, even even um Violet Palmer, the first woman's uh NBA referee came mm-hmm. out of the Drew. Violet, yep. She came Violet. out of the Drew. Yep. Mm-hmm. She came out of the Drew. 
Yeah. You know, Casey, yeah. Derek Richardson. Yeah. All those guys. It's a lot of NBA refs that uh, ref at the Drew. Yeah. That's where they started at. You know, KC used to play at the Drew, and then he started refing, and then it just – now he's in the NBA. So, it's a lot Good. of you know, So, I, I, I thank Barron for even putting the documentary together, and we was able to even find all those archive videos uh, to see how it was back then. Yeah. It was dope. Mm-hmm. All right. So so this is called my rhino vision. And I want you to walk me through your favorite game of all time at the Drew and the best play in that game. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I mean, okay, okay. Off the strength, I would just ha- I would have to say Kobe's game. Kobe's Kobe. game. Because it was Kobe, right? Right. It was a game that wasn't even authorized to happen. Like it, 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 and I think why it was so special, not just because it was Kobe, but nah, it was because it was Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> it was because it was Kobe, straight up. Right, it's just it's because it was Kobe, and the way it happened, you was there, right? Like yes. it was. Uh, we were getting ready to go to the Goodman game out there in D.C. and that became a practice game. It was like, we need to practice to get everybody together, and then Kobe wanted to play, but it was, uh, he wanted to play in the playoffs, and we was like, oh, man, that's the one rule we can't We've never bent that rule for anybody. We we pride ourselves on integrity, but this is Kobe, right? So it's like, how you gonna tell Kobe he can't play at the Drew? Like, why would you push him away? (laughs) We just gonna make a game up for him. So we did it like on a random Tuesday and mm-hmm. we didn't tell nobody because we knew it was going to be, it was going to be chaos. But of course, telling the players, then telling the families, and then telling their family and then it just became crazy. So uh, I love that moment because the community came up and like with numbers, they drove up from wherever and they had their jerseys. They was like, it was just one of those look good, feel good moments because these kids and these families, they don't get to go to the NBA games like that or see their favorite players, but to see the all time, like this in your own backyard, like that was a moment. And then, um, yeah, go ahead. No, I'll say it it definitely was because it was like, whenever I got there, the line was around the door. (laughs) Dino was still being secretive. Like, (laughs) like, who are we playing with? He like, Kobe, Kobe wants you to play with him. Like, what? <laughs> like, what? Like, ah, y'all, y'all playing against Kobe. We on Kobe's squad. <laughs> like, who chose? That's one thing I didn't know. Who chose the teams? Like, how did you go to this team versus that team? That I didn't know. Kobe picked us. He did. I said, Dino said, yeah, Kobe picked us. Wait, you so played I- with, like, with him in that game? Yeah. Yeah. This is who he picked. That's <laughs> it. So you could go history and say Kobe picked me to play with him. That's the first and only time I got to be a real Laker. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's definitely legendary having a, the the legend, rest in peace to the late great, come through South Central. Watch like for the it was, Oh my God, it was so great, bro! It was Man, unbelievable. That's crazy. That's the cars, crazy. the cars were in the sandbox. 
<laughs> yeah. By the swing set. Like, no kids can play today. Like, we need this for parking. <laughs> like, even the gangsters outside on their best behavior, because yes. it's Kobe. Right. And that, like, Kobe changed everybody's energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody's energy. And then, okay, so let's walk down to the play, too. Was it the last play of Kobe went on James? Is that your favorite play? Because he comes at the end to stand it, at it, half court like this. It was the favorite play. Like, that That was the my favorite moment when the kids rushed him. That was that was my favorite moment. And then also when he – another moment is when the sheriff tried to get him to leave. Yeah. Was the moment where I was like, okay, I got a whole new respect for Kobe. He was like, now nah, I'm finishing the game. Like, I'm, you know, I got to play this out. And I respect him for that because you he could have easily just been escorted out. And then we would all been like, okay, what well, a game over now. Like, how are you going to leave yeah. with a few yeah. seconds left on the clock? And then it's like, he a ball player at the end of the day. Like, that celebrity status was pushed to the side. No, I'm good. I feel safe. I'm at home. I'm in LA. You know? Everybody loved me here. Nothing's going to happen to you. So, and he played it out. And then for him to hit that shot, it was just magical. Everything ran on the court. George ran on the court. I've never seen George that excited. He ran. And yeah. And he got the shoe. He got his shoe. Oh, wow. He still got his shoe. He brought it to the um, the gym last year and put it right on the. I was like, you better make sure nobody walks off. (laughs) For real. Real, real. <laughs> yeah, that was that was so great of an ending to it, though, because it was just so fabulous. And I remember because I took the ball out and I gave it to him. I said, "You want the screen?" He said, "No, get the hell out the way." <laughs> I said, "Absolutely, absolutely." Say, <laughs> "You want a screen?" <laughs> you want a screen? You good? You, I'm out. <laughs> you say you you what? I lost. I lost. I lost. I lost. <laughs> I growing up watching pro hoopers play in the Drew. How did um how did that like affect you seeing like you know the pros start to come uh into the Drew League? Oh, uh, well, how it affect how it affect the Drew mainly? Yeah. Yeah, like to see the pros coming on a, I would say on a consistent basis around that time. Um, it, overall, it was good for the league. It it put notice on it. Like I feel like everybody was um, excited to see the pros. And, and yeah. my perspective is like this is something that the kids can come and they can talk to their players. They could take a picture, and that's what made me happy about seeing the pros actually come and then that to me also that that showed that they respect the league too and they had love for it so when they started coming and more and more like it just uh it put the league on notice and especially around that time of the lockout period right so everybody needed somewhere to play and that's when they were going to their local pro-am leagues and so us being in LA most of the guys work out out here anyway yeah. So it just it, it made sense for them to come down and um just where it started spreading. Even though you say you played in high school, what was that experience like? And like did you ever like 
when you was at the Drew League game and you would go back into high school, did you try to utilize some of that skill that you've learned from over the weekend or during tournaments, did you utilize anything or was there certain situations where you were, I don't know, I feel like being helped by different pro athletes or anything like that were like, how, how was your high school experience hooping? My high school experience, to be honest, like, I was just playing to stay in shape. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't like a, I wasn't that type of hooper. Like, I played my whole life, but I was just, I was more of a shooter. That's what I did. I shoot, rebound, kick it out. Like, that's what I was doing. Um, so you was, you was clay. I was Clay Thompson. I was right there on the wing. I ain't trying to bang up and do all that. I was just, let me just shoot it from here. Let it fly. I feel Wait, that. So you a, le- you a lefty? No, I'm just holding the phone. Right. right oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm about to say, it was like two. Like, oh. <laughs> you know, I, I um, was trying to mimic Casper. Oh, yeah? That was uh, like, Casper was just a pure shooter. And yeah. Uh, and Irv Monier, I don't know if you guys know Irv Monier, but he was he played back in the day too. But they were just pure shooters, and that's and I, I just kind of fell in love. He used to uh, train me too, so okay. he was always trying to make sure that my shot was together. Yeah, yeah. So wow, that's what's up. That's the story. Yeah, Casper. I'm like, if I'm, for me to learn how to shoot from Casper, like I had to be good. So I just made sure that I just like every time I got the ball, I tried to shoot. I wasn't afraid to shoot. So that's what you always tell me. You ever feel like there was extra pressure added on you, like being around like pro athletes, pro hoopers, so people just assume like you're going to be this like great talent. Do you ever feel extra pressure because of that? I felt like there was like sometimes the the coaches would want to come and uh and watch me play. I'm like, no, don't don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, and then a lot of the staff uh, knew who I was because of the relationship with the league, and that was always a plus, too. But that also meant I couldn't get in trouble. I couldn't do anything I could, you know, I wasn't able to do. You're under a microscope. Everybody looking at you. Yeah. I, even George worked at the middle school, so I would have to pass by him every yep. day. <laughs> <laughs> All of them knew, like they all knew me, so I was like, "Yeah, I can't, I can't, <laughs> even if I wanted Man. to." I can't. But, uh, but no, I learned a lot from from those guys, and it's just a it's a blessing to see them go, you know, further in life yeah. and do whatever it is that they wanted to do, whether it was to stay with basketball or to coach or to train, and come at, like come full circle. You know, a lot of them are now. Yeah. Dead and stuff grandfathers so and they're still involved and the blessing about like having the junior um the juniors a part of the league the junior drew excuse me um it's like coming full circle now we get to see the kids from these legends you know brought up and those are great moments to have too when did you first become involved in the drew involved like okay i would say well, middle school, about 12. Uh-huh. And she's radio, she's radio Raheem. She had to do the, you said she had the mic. She did. Had to, she, she was the, the first. She was doing the music first. Yeah, she was the DJ. I was the DJ. 
I was, I was a DJ at 12 and then I, st- I was, <laughs> I was the, and then I started helping my dad out more after college. I came back to college um, after I graduated, came back home and started helping him out even more and just became more of like his assistant. I st- when he started getting older and things started like transitioning differently, then that's why I was like, all right, let me pay attention to this more, especially on the back end things. Right. So yeah. He needed help. I was there. And my brother was a little younger than me. So he was in school still. My mom doesn't know anything about basketball at all. So she's just there as a great support system and, you know, food and, and, uh, and things is just her thing. So I, it was me that helped my dad out. So speaking about college, you, you went to school for criminal justice. Did you always plan on you know, going back to the drill and kind of following your dad's footsteps, or do you originally have like another plan? I had another plan, but I'm, I, yeah. So I finished school, and then uh, my plan was to become a probation officer. I wanted to do probation, and um, and during that time I graduated, the economy crashed, and then that's when we were in a uh, in a bad situation as far as with jobs and all that type mm-hmm. of stuff. I, I was like, okay, nobody's hiring nobody at this point. So I just uh, I just focused on doing some other little things. I was working here and there, some other jobs. and But it wasn't what I really <laughs> loved to do. And mm-hmm. I found a love in helping my dad out. And so I put more energy in that. And I was like, okay, now I'm, I'm actually loving this. And I'm in love with it. And I want this to be something I do for a very, very long time. And that's why I'm working hard enough to make sure that it goes another 49, 50 years, you know, and then my, hopefully my son can fall in love mm-hmm. with it like I did and take it over. So, but yeah, no, this, what I'm doing here is, is something I'm like determined to make sure that it, uh, it, it goes on as long as possible. For those who don't know about the, the famous historical uh, program in the Drew League. Can you give us a brief walkthrough of what the Drew is? Yeah. So for those that don't know, the Drew started in 1973, 49 years ago. Um, started off in a middle school and started off with only like six teams. And it's a pro-am meeting professionals and amateurs. So we have a collective of high school uh, players. We have a collective of collegiate players, overseas pros, and NBA talent as well. So it's special because you have all those different levels playing on one court together. So even the even the guys that should have made it, but maybe an injury took place, and they were the the man at you know at their local school or in the neighborhood, they come back and play. And uh, it gives everybody a, a, uh, the ability to, to be in their own backyard, to enjoy basketball for free, and, um, and just really just enjoy each other's presence as a family dynamic. You know, so it's been going on for 49 years. Next year, we celebrate the 50th anniversary. 50. It's 50. It's crazy. Yeah. So have a lot of ideas of what we want to do with that. But uh, we also have a nonprofit organization from the Drew. So we're helping kids in our community year round. Um, we have a women's Drew 
as well. So we definitely didn't want to leave the women's out in the wear family. They they run the they run the the women's drew Tanisha Ware, and she's doing a great job at that. And then um, next spring, we're going to incorporate a junior drew league as well. Oh. So that way our kids are more attached to us and yeah. uh, do some stuff with the high schools as well, like a showcase. So we got a couple of ideas coming up, but we want to be full circle. So yeah. so that's what the Drew is. It's a little bit of everything, you know. No excuses, just produce is the <laughs> motto, is the slogan. I'm telling you, every game is exciting. Like every game, <laughs> like I, I love it. Like especially the underdogs, the people that you don't know, you're not familiar with. Like, that's something that I always love, just watching the Drew, like, just sitting up there all day watching basketball. Like, that's like a, a gym rat's perfect, you know what I'm saying? Perfect, like, space right there. Yeah, yeah. And that's where, like, <laughs> any people there all day, just maybe they bring their, they cheer, they back cheer, little, you know, they stadium mm-hmm. cheer, and they just be posted up all day, bring their yeah. snacks and, um, a lot of families have been brought up at the Drew too. A lot of relationships is made, you know. So it's um, it's beautiful, and yeah. everybody looks forward to it. So when the pandemic hit and there was no no basketball, no Drew, and you didn't, we didn't see those people for a whole year, you know. So yeah. that's yeah, that's where we at. We we back though this year. We back at King's Drew. Everything's back to normal. So we're all excited to uh, to get back together. And for people who are from watching this podcast, if you're going to go to the Drew League, make sure you get some tacos, too. Make sure you enjoy yourself, get some tacos. It's going to be good family fun. It's going to be nothing but great games. And which is cool because it's kind of been away from that for the past couple of years due to the pandemic and different things like that, you know. So it's good to see that things are getting back to normal. Nah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we pride ourselves on the food, too. Okay, I'm gonna have to stop by. You sold me with that one. Um, <laughs> if you got like who sells banana pudding at a basketball game, right? <laughs> right, exactly. But I know you were just talking about it about you know creating the underdogs for certain players who don't have that big name. Like for one example, Frank Nitty has been one of those underdogs who's came out, done things the right way, and really developed a really good platform for himself. Um, I just like the fact because I felt like me myself as being an underdog, it always gave us the opportunity to really showcase our skills, especially at the highest level. So it's always love in that perspective. But I do want you to just kind of like just elaborate on that a little bit more with like certain underdogs and how it has really changed. Like there's certain people in videos that have gone viral off of, you know, some people just getting dunked on and like you can actually not have um a team right and at the end of the drew league year could be signed or have two three european teams looking at you so i just want to get that kind of perspective from you yeah no i'm glad you brought that up because a lot of guys well i'll take it back um i know we've always had conversations of like well how do i get in the drew what's the step to get in in the drew and it's always about networking right it's all about who yep. But once you, I feel like once you get your foot into the door, it's like, here's the platform for you to do what you're supposed to do to be seen. And, yep. you know, having the videographers there, the photographers there to capture that type of those moments, I really feel like there's no excuse on why you can't go to the next level. 
unlike how it was years ago when we didn't have viral moments, right? We didn't have social yeah. media, all, this, like, all that stuff. So here we are now and people like Frank Sessions. Uh, I'll just stay on him, but there's several more. I'm, I'm bad with names and I don't want to yeah. ramble, but, but Frank, I mean, everybody knows his story. He used to start, he used to uh, work at, I believe it was a, uh, some carrier, I believe it was T-Mobile or what, whichever. Mm -hmm. And he didn't really care to continue hooping, right? He just wanted to play just because all his homeboys was up there playing and was something to do. And um, he was just good at it. And I think he started taking it serious. And then his personality, too. Yeah. His personality was shining. And then he just became a very likable person. But he used the Drew for what it is. And that's exactly how you should use it. Like, he took yeah. it ran with it and just went crazy and I'm so excited to see where he's at now his journey now with the big three so I'm I'm very proud of it too when I heard that he was getting signed to the big three and he didn't even yeah. put foot in the NBA you know yeah. like I, I just I just thought that that was just a moment to you know for uh you know like give kudos to the Drew yeah. you know yeah. I took myself out. It was not the smile. It was bigger than me. It's bigger than us. It's like give kudos to the Drew for providing that type of platform for these guys to expose their game, for him to yeah. get selected. And um, and I remember seeing the selection process. He had on a Drew League jersey. <laughs> you know, uh, everybody else had their former NBA or uh, or overseas team be called yeah. up the process and he had a Drew League jersey so I'm like yeah so I, I mean that's what we're here for that's what we're here for we're here for the guys to continue to develop have fun with it and really maximize on that opportunity so even when it's time to go overseas we're trying to make sure that we take them overseas we're doing something this year overseas in the middle of the summer so we're going to take some guys to try to get exposed to some scout nice. stuff so yeah we, we, we want to see everybody flourish Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was like, it's almost like Nitty played his own NBA 2K life journey in a sense, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, man, I'm just trying to hoop to have fun. Like, oh, no, dog, you can really hoop. Like, oh, I better take this seriously then. Like, <laughs> like step by step, like seriously. So it, it's dope. Shout out Nitty. Yeah. Man, big, big, big shout out to Nitty and to Drew. Frank, uh, he actually, uh, you know, won championships overseas in Qatar. Yeah. The year, the year before I played on the team. Mm. Uh, the year before Frank came back and won championships. So I was kind of like, you know, my agent was asking like, who is good? And this is when he won the Drew year. This is when he won, uh, you know, MVP of the Drew. And I think his team won the Drew League that same year too. And they yep. was just like, my agent was like, do you know anybody overseas, like a, a guard that could kind of fill in your role uh, on this team in Qatar? And the first person came to mind was like Frank Nitty. Like Frank. I just watched him play. Me and him got like similar <clears throat> energy out there on the court. He mm -hmm. hard knows one of those underdog stories that like, yeah. man, I'm proud of the journey to even say I know the guy. Like that's that's legendary. That's epic in his own way like he really paved his own path so yeah all the kids did. all the kids who you know what i'm saying watching it and coming up in the drew like now is the time that you could create your own path your own way 
how did the transition of you becoming the Camille Chapman? I know you say you was, when you came back, you was working around, but like, when did it settle in? Like, when did it come like, all right, like, this is, I'm about to do this? Um, Because it's my father, right? It wasn't one of those, like, it wasn't an easy handle, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. I'm still trying to be involved, and I'm like, Dad, I got it. Like, I could see, uh, I could see you needed help with it very much so. Um, in 2017 was the year. I feel like that's when I transitioned over. And I okay. said, you know what, I'm going to make sure I put enough time set aside to focus in on this. So I had the time and I just wanted it to, to, to prevail. I just wanted it to be successful and I wanted my dad to have the help that he needed. So um, and he trusted me, you know, it's hard to really trust individuals with your baby. And I knew how valuable it was for him to, uh, to make sure or important for him to, to make sure that it was in someone's hands that he, um, that he trusted. So, yeah, you know, like over the years, and me back and forth in school, um, coming back home in the summer is when I was, it was more of a testing period, right? So it was about four, about four years, like of a testing period. I would take on certain roles to, to handle for him. And then, um, 2017 is when I was like, okay, I got it. That was was the year. Dang. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was the year. And, you know, and I didn't even really pay attention to the whole, oh, you're the only woman. I didn't even pay attention to that. Because it was bigger than that. You you chasing something bigger than that. Right, right. I wasn't trying to be the first anything. I was just trying to just be there to support and and because I saw where this was going and the attention that it was getting. And I'm like, it's needed. This doesn't need to be canceled out anytime soon. So to continue that, you know, definitely got to step our game up around bring in a support system that understood our vision and and being creative around the content, being creative around the visuals and um, and just making sure we just had a, a good team that understood. And therefore, you know, I made sure that our core team, such as our staff, which we would call them Drew Crew, we just, that's our name, um, their family. So I want to make sure that they were still rocking with us and they have been you know they've been rocking with us for a very very long time they never switched up and and that's very important to me to have a group of people who I trust and that I love and they have love for it as just as much as I do um and that's what kept so kept us strong you know a praying my mom was a praying woman my grandma is a praying woman like they always say like we we pride ourselves on our on that as well like you know we're a christian family so we believe in like you know we pray and then we just let it go yeah yeah i did how did the um the nike contract uh help the drew and how did it push the drew uh, a little bit forward with you know what i'm saying just some of the exposure and everything that you guys were were getting and what year did the uh the drew league get that uh nike contract 2013 that's okay. when we went over with Nike. So it's only 2022, right? So it right hasn't now. been that long, right? So the, all those years before, 40 year plus, we weren't signed to 
to anybody. Um, we were independent. Uh, Hank Salvatore, rest in peace, Hank Salvatore. Yeah, people. He was a fan of the league. He loved what we were doing. And so he helped out a lot around like uniforms and things like that to, to make sure that we were still, that we stayed afloat. So, um, but yeah, so Nike came in in 2013 and when they came in, you know, they, their whole vision was to really make sure that it was elevated. Um, the content was elevated in a way where it didn't look like mom and pops, you know, cause I used to do all yeah. the, I would just take pictures off my phone and upload. We used to have people do, you know, things like that. Cause we just, we, we didn't have the personnel to do that or the expertise in that type yeah. of thing. So they came yeah. with really that package of um, expertise to make sure that our vision that we had was that came to life. Okay. So it, so in 2017, you say started now, 2020, we all know what happened. Right. How was that process for you guys during that time? And I know we talked about being back, but I just want to talk about the process because you know, it was difficult for everybody, but I want to see how difficult it really was for the Drew crew and the Drew League. It was stressful. Um, it was stressful just because never, ever we've, like, shut down a whole season. And you always hear the, the words, the model basketball never stopped, and the fact that it yeah. literally stops. Like, no one could imagine something like that to happen. Yeah. Even during the riots, Rodney King riots back in the 90s, we didn't stop playing. Because yeah. remember, remember when everything shut down in the city and the marshals came out and we were allowed to play because everybody was stressed out. We was like, well, can we at least go play basketball? Can we do that? Can we open a gym? And they allowed us to open a gym for that. But for us to shut down completely, um, you know, everybody was just like, I felt like a lot of people was just depressed. Some of the, especially the older generation, I would say the older generation yeah. is depressed because they've been doing the same thing repeatedly. It was a routine for them every year. Mm-hmm. They get older, you know, their, their thing is to stay connected with one another. Yeah. And that's how they were able to, to just, you know, bond together and they'll pull up in the corner. They have their snacks, their food, their drinks, and they'll just talk major shit and that's what they love to do and the fact that and we're talking about 60 70 80 even low clark he's 90 something years old but that was his routine every weekend and for that to stop you know unfortunately you know certain people passed during that year and and so that's why i would say it was very depressing for most um even with the kids i felt really bad that the kids had to stop playing there was nothing for them to do. We were trying to figure out ways to do stuff outside, you know, but yeah, it was a, it was definitely a moment I will never want to see again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. But we survived and that's the most important thing. We're still here. We're strong and making things happen. That's the most important. Absolutely. Yep. Definitely um, made it. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to the young girls out there that, are stuck in tough situations, but aspire and look up to you, what advice would you give them? I would, I would tell them to hone in 
on who they are as an individual. Really process who they are first, because you can't move in the world not knowing who you are. And really have that confidence to to move forward. Um, There's going to be plenty of doors that's going to shut in your face. Just because, one, you're a woman. And in the male-dominant industry, a lot of people don't take women serious. Um, For myself, or those that don't know too much about the Drew or not in tune with what's going on on social media, whatever, they're surprised that I'm a woman. They're like, wait, oh, I thought it was a, you know, thought it was a male, you know, and then I'm a young woman too. So it's very surprising. So uh, as far as the young girls, I would say to definitely find a mentor um, who you do look up to and, and, and tap into that, you know, uh, definitely do research around that. Um, never be afraid to ask for help and to, uh, to really just really just do whatever you want to do and kick the doors down. Like, that's what you got to do. Don't take no for an answer. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's my advice for the young girls that are trying to get into uh, whatever it is that they want to do, even if it's not sports. Telling them to be fierce, don't have fear, right? What, and don't look back. Keep going forward. Yeah. It's going to be scary, but you gotta you gotta have a face of a lion and walk through them doors and. and oh, take them. I love it! I love it because I always talk about the lion, right? It's a lion when he ever has his eyes on something where he's locked in that he wants nothing distracts the lion from getting what he wants. Nothing distracts the lion. Right. Mm, nothing. Dist- you're right about nothing. That that, that thing focused. It you're could right. be something walking through. No, I don't want that. I want that. Right. You got to be persistent, too. Yes. yes. You got to be persistent. Like, don't drift. If that's what you want, then that's what you want. Like, you ain't got to change up because somebody said you need to change up. Mm. Go get it. What'd you say, Jace? No excuse, just produce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for those that do want to work in the sport industry, what would you say, like, your day-to-day role as a commissioner is? Like, like what kind of stuff are you involved with? What kind of stuff are you getting your hands mixing and getting dirty with? Networking. Um, I'm I'm doing a, oof, a lot of emails, a lot of calls. Um, Got to stay organized. I have a planner right here. Have my emails up. Um, being organized is like the number one thing. You know, you definitely don't want to um, go into something um, not sure of yourself, confused. So, making sure you have uh, control around that. Um, I'm dealing with sponsors dealing with um, all the coaches. And that's, I don't necessarily have to deal with the players or anything like that, but it's mainly the coaches and the sponsors. Um, but it's a lot of communication. So I pride myself on communicating. If I don't hit you back when you call me, I'm hitting you back by the next hour or within the next hour. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very important to communicate with people um, just, you know, because you can miss out on a whole bunch of opportunities by not responding back, you know. So yeah. um, I try to over communicate sometimes, especially with dealing with 40 different uh, individuals, head <laughs> coaches and assistant coaches, having to communicate with all of the information that's needed. Yeah. So it could be a lot, but um, but I'm built for the job and I love it. So 
Awesome. Did, did you ever think that you would be the commissioner of the Drew? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I thought I was going to be patrolled and somewhere on the force. That's what I thought. Uh, but I knew that wasn't my calling. I felt like I was probably going to make the wrong decision, especially after diving more into it. And I was like, you know what? I made the right decision not to go that route. This was the route I was supposed to do, you know, and it's my family too. So it's like, what better, you know, position is that to work alongside with your family? Um, but I never thought I was going to be the commissioner. I didn't, I thought my dad was going to do it all the way till he was in the cane, you know, but he trusted me to pass the baton and um, I just ran with it. So sometimes you don't know what your calling is until you actually dive into something and then you're like, okay, so, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yep. <laughs> Real talk. Yeah, Real talk. Everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, so we'll jump into the segments now. We have this one called Give a Dog a Bone. It's just rapid fire questions so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Okay. We'll start this off with this is the Underdogs podcast. We want to know what your favorite dog breed is. French Bulldog. Frenchy. Okay. Favorite okay. musical artist? Jill Scott. Okay. All right. I like Jill Scott. I like Jill. Favorite shoe? Favorite shoe? Air Force One. Okay. Is that why the Drew Rose League has the Air Force One collab crossover? <laughs> I got a pair of those. So what about the Cortez? So can I ask can I ask this question, Jay? Go for it. Yeah, this is Craig's okay. question. He wanted to he wanted to get this in on here. So uh who is your favorite team in the Drew League and why is it COA? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I played the fifth, Craig. I played the fifth. Craig, you got to give our listeners background on what COA is. Uh, COA is, is kind of one of the, uh, uh, I wouldn't say original, original, but the new original uh, Drew League teams recently, especially during the lockout. Uh, it's a team that I uh, helped create along with my friends. And we we had a really good run. We still could hoop, though. I'm letting them know now. It's since COVID happened, something that changed in the energies. I think it's through God. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we think about it, but no, yeah. So yeah, COA, COA was just a, a team from the Drew League, and um, I was I was one of the players, and so it was a, it was it was good. It was good. Okay. Back to it. So, Who would you say your role model in life is? Oh man, my father. Okay. What would you say your favorite hobby is aside from basketball? I like to freestyle paint. Okay. That's Ooh. pretty sick. Okay. Check uh, you out. Uh, not the best, but I like to do it. <laughs> well, you're probably better than me. I'm stick figure out here. I'm just stick figure. <laughs> but that's the thing about art. Like, you can't, it's, it's your expression. Yes, yeah, art. Like your yeah. personal expression. So it's like, how can you say it's good or bad? That's, that's right. true. Tell that That's to my true. high school art teacher. <laughs> I think they yeah, public that. public school art teachers are tough, dude. <laughs> I remember we had to start off with this fish, and my fish was too bloated. <laughs> too bloated. <laughs> She's like, uh, no, nah, I think you need to do this. You were making a rhino fish. Yeah. It's supposed to be like that. I mean, right? 
She's like, what is this horn right here? <laughs> Do you have a favorite game that you remember playing in? Favorite game? Yes. Uh, it would be it would be from uh was it was it oh man, Ready to Rumble? Remember Ready to Rumble? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Afro Thunder and Afro Thunder, yeah. Oh I definitely remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Afro Thunder. Josh Childress. Shout out Josh. <laughs> that was on Dreamcast, wasn't it? It was Dreamcast. Yes, it was. Yeah, Dreamcast. Yeah, that was my, the first that was 2K. My, that, the, the first very 2K. First in 2000. That was my last time playing 2K. My first and last time. Yep. I Do you have a favorite movie? A favorite movie? And how hmm. quick can Craig quote that favorite movie? <laughs> <laughs> What would be my favorite movie? Oh my goodness. Uh, oh, that's a hard one. Why is it so um you know I'm into like documentaries. Okay. okay. I'm into documentaries and like can I give you my favorite series? Yeah. Yeah. I love Game of Thrones. Benvenie. Uh-huh. Bend the knee. Bend the knee. <laughs> yes. I tried I so it. hard getting into that. I couldn't get past the first episode. Oh, Jon no. Snow in the North. Oh, oh I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I'll try it again because a lot Wait. of people have been on me about that, but I couldn't do it. Dude, you, yeah, you need to because definitely towards the end, oh, I get lit. The I heard the King? end was terrible. I heard the ending of it was horrible. No, the ending, ending, the ending, ending. But before that, the preparation up to it, Crazy. it was really good. It was really good. But the yeah, the last one, I was like, ah, they, they, they're tr- they tried to set it up because you know they want to do prequels and stuff. Yeah, okay. So that's how they did that. <laughs> but you got to get into it. You got to watch. You got to watch I'll the try first season. I'll oh try. man, the Lannisters. All right, I'll stop. <laughs> but, but I quoted it in like 10 seconds though I you quoted did. it in like 10 seconds Craig is our resident movie quoter TV show quoter I swear to God you've seen every movie man like <laughs> it's it's insane it's insanely impressive <laughs> name a movie Craig can quote it <laughs> who would you say your favorite current player is right now right now yeah. I love watching Ja Morant I love watching him that donkey oh, had the other man. night yeah oh, I've always been a fan of LeBron, just just off the rip. I've always been a fan of LeBron, but I mean, Jaws, I, I love watching him play. That's so, entertainment. Yeah. So you said LeBron's a big fan. So when he came to the Drew, that must have been insane for you. Yeah, uh, that was a surprise. Uh, yeah, I, I really love when he came. It was, uh, Baron brought him. He said he had a surprise mm-hmm. to make sure, like, make sure to stall the game. I think Cheaters was playing. Yeah, he was playing with Cheaters, and they were running. They were, um, yeah, they were running behind. Like they was like he just stalled the game just for a couple more minutes, and we were like, no, nah, we can't stall the game. But then we understood why we had to stall the game. So, yeah, the king was in town. It was crazy. Yeah, I said I'm the king around here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and last one. Who would you say your favorite all-time player is? I uh, can I just eliminate? I, I love Kobe, right? Because mm. that was just my era. So I I can't really relate to the MJ. I'm in my mid thirties, yeah. right? So, okay. 
but I really love Shaq. Shaq's my guy. I like that one. He's dominant. You Dom- can't not love dominant. him. Dominant. Yeah. Diesel. Yeah. 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 You got to get him to DJ a game at the Drew. That would be something. <laughs> he came down to he watched his kids play. Okay. Oh, yeah, sure did. DJ sure did. Diesel. <laughs> the videos that are hysterical. <laughs> yep. All right, so my segment is uh is Mike's mental minute, okay. and I got a kind of a loaded question for you. Being a female in a male-driven industry, mm-hmm. what does it take to get there, and what barriers do you face as a woman? Um, which and what is like the mental approach of just the mm-hmm. whole, you know, getting into that industry and getting into that space? Well, getting in that space is always going to be challenging. But I feel where we at now, it's there's a lot of more doors that's opening for women, more acceptance, right? So if you just put yourself in the right position, you know, it, it can happen. Unlike how it was years ago, like we see more women into sports, managing up front, like but instead of behind the scenes. So that piece right there, I feel is more accessible than it used to be. So that's always great to see. Um, but the mental piece around it, like having to conduct yourself, conduct yourself as a lady instead of getting out of character, because the first thing they go say is, oh, see, look, she acting like a female, you know, or that's how that's how girls act. Don't act like a little, you know, and and those things um, have happened, not necessarily saying, you know, um, not necessarily like just saying off the rip, but you can tell that's how they're looking at you. So you have to always like have to conduct yourself as a lady, very professional, um, because they're going to test you. They're going to want to see if you know what you're talking about. And if you don't, then they'll judge. You know, so I feel like you definitely got to be 10 times prepared than the male. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's a lot of sharks in the water. But I think if you have the right team and you're focused on what it is that you're trying to do or what you're accomplished, trying to accomplish, then you'll be fine. Yeah. But the mental piece, you know, I, I think self-care is very important. Doing things to you, for yourself. In, pre- in preparation of whatever task that you're about to do. Well, I want to know what is the funniest Drew League moment to you? <laughs> what made you laugh? What made oh. oh man, it was a potential fight that didn't take place. Uh... Okay. That <laughs> <laughs> just made me laugh. And everybody was jo- it, oh man, I don't even know if I should say their names. Um, does no, it involve we, we someone sitting to... in this room? No, 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 no. <laughs> That's where I thought you were going with that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's okay. Um, but they were like seven feet, though, right? Like two seven oh, foot. My God. Like, that's to me. Like, that's hilarious. Yeah. Right? Uh, Just imagine two yeah. seven footers trying to fight, and they, yeah. And they're not fighting. Looking like giraffes. <laughs> <laughs> 
no one was connecting <laughs> and everybody's standing because no one wants to break it up so we just laughing like I know this <laughs> um but I let me see a, a, a moment that was real funny I feel like it was something on the MHP team because they're just hysterical. Oh, uh, MHP is, is that's swaggy P team, huh? Yeah, that's swaggy P. Yes, um, and Adrian, yeah, they they're just funny in general. But uh, yeah, the giraffe fight to me was the funniest. The giraffe, giraffe fight. fight. <laughs> like, have you really seen giraffes fight? How to be swinging their necks? And they <laughs> yeah. Head? Like, dog, that's the funniest. It's that's the funniest. <laughs> All right. We will end off this episode as we do every week. We have to know what is the biggest lesson you've learned throughout your entire journey? Oh, man. Walk in faith and to take everything that comes to you as a blessing and don't question it. 12 episodes okay. in, we've gotten a different answer every time. I love that. Oh, that's good. Love that. Beautiful. Awesome. That's going to do it for this episode. We appreciate, appreciate you, you, Chanel Smiley, for hopping on. Before this we go, thank though, you so much. our former guest, Jermaine Jones, just came out with a book. That's what's in the background called yeah. Last Man Standing. Please, please, please go check it out. I'll link that down below in the description for everyone to check out. If you ever wondered what's in a pro athlete's headspace, mental health space, um, especially for people like me who have never been a pro athlete, I'll never understand that. It's a huge eye-opener and it makes you kind of understand things a little bit more so please go check that out and support our former guest uh, again i will link that down in the description below as well as anything chanel wants us to link i'll make sure to put that down below as well um, that's gonna do it for episode 12 we'll see you guys next week peace but aren't you the 12 new 12 u champion i Didn't am you say it was 12 u? i'm a, I'm a u12 new hampshire state champion no new hampshire state <laughs> champion Coming off the bench, I know what's up, man. So, 